Hi, I'm Pastor Nick with Grace Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us in our online service. If you're interested, we also offer in-person service every Sunday morning at 1030. We have Wednesday night activities for youth, kids, and college age every Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And there's food there. So, now, let's see what the pastor has to say. for us to understand God's love for us and of that peace that does pass all understanding, uh, that we have that personal relationship with him. I want to tell you what, if you weren't in Sunday school, you missed that message. That message for the last several weeks has been about what it means to understand the message that God seeks to share with us through the truth of his word as he calls us to him, draws us to him, that we might experience it, but then we might share it too because that's the essence of what we're about, and that's the nature of the passage that we'll look at here in just a moment. If you have your Bibles open, I want you to open again to Acts chapter 4, uh, and we'll look at verse 8 through 20, but you know what? We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 a good bit before we even start. So what's it mean for us to be a follower of Christ? What's it mean for you to be a disciple of Christ? Peter's about to preach another There you go. How's that? Thank you. Jeff, I thought Jeff was saying amen back there. Amen. Amen. Hey, keep going, Bob. Keep going. Okay. But the message is that we heard in Sunday school is about what it means to know Jesus Christ, but more importantly, what it means to know the truth of God's promise in his word. And that promise is there for every one of us. That's the song that Carolyn just shared with us about what it means for us to have that peace that does pass all understanding, that we understand. Uh, Paul talks about that. Uh, for I know, this, this kind of comes right out of your hymnal, but guess where it comes from? It comes from God's word. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. When we put our lives in God's hands, he makes a difference in them every day. And that's what's going on, that's what's going on with Peter, because we see the Holy Spirit working through his life. We see the Holy Spirit guiding him, directing him, and using him to share that good news of Jesus Christ faithfully with everyone he sees. The word apostle uh, in the Greek means someone who is sent. Actually, what it means in the Hebrew, it means to carry the message for your master. And that's what you and I are called to do. That's what Peter begins to do as he sees those people in Jerusalem that day, right after the crucifixion, right after the resurrection, a message of what it means to understand God's love for us and how he's given us that love. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to open to Acts chapter 3 and look beginning in verse 11, somewhere about in there, you'll see kind of where we are and what we're doing. Now, Nick is looking at his screen right now. He's saying, Bob, I don't think you even gave me that passage of scripture. And I didn't because I want you to turn to God's word and look at what God's word says. Don't trust me that I'm telling you the truth because I'm going to tell the story, not read the story of a message of what happens. And Peter and John have gone to the temple. That's the story that you'll see in Acts 3. And while they're there, they meet a man. This man has been crippled since he was a little boy, since he was a child. This is in Acts 3. You can find it. 
since he was a child. And what he did was he had friends. We see this happen all the time throughout Jesus' experience in our lives in the New Testament. We see people bringing people to Jesus. Andrew did that. We see, remember the man who couldn't get in the, the pool at Siloam? What happened? There were people that would bring and try to get him there in time. A Andrew, again, is known as the bringer. We see people bringing people to Jesus all the time, and these people brought this man, this crippled man, to the temple, to the, the gate called Beautiful. Why do you think they brought him there? So he would have a religious experience so that he might see somebody. He might have his life changed. You know what they brought him there for? They brought him there to beg. And that's where, if we're not careful, we spend our lives as human beings. At the gate, right at the feet of the cross, or the foot of the cross, begging for something that is not going to last. Something that is going to be given to us and then it's going to be gone. Do you remember what Simon Peter said to him? When he asked for money, Simon Peter made it pretty clear that he didn't have anything. Silver and gold have I none. Here comes. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Maybe that guy's expectations that day were to get a couple of a small coins, maybe just a little bit of money, something that he could eat on, something that he could just use to survive for a day or two. Maybe that's what his expectations were. What God is ready to do in your life and my life right now is to give us his abundant love, to overwhelm us with that love, to show and demonstrate his love in such a way that we experience that. And in that experience, we recognize that this is something that God has done for us, not men. There is no way, if you put your faith and trust in me, I'll tell you what, I've told people this for the last 50 years. Karen's known it even longer than that because we used to date back in high school. But for 50 years, if I haven't disappointed you, you just give me time. I'll do something that will disappoint you. But I'm here to tell you, I'm telling you about a God who will never disappoint you and will give you life and give it more abundantly through his one and only son. That's what happens. There's a change that comes in his life. We'll talk about this a little later on in verses 11 and following. Uh, but something dramatic happens. And when he goes into the temple, you know how he goes? He doesn't walk into the temple. And I won't do it for you this morning because that won't work. Two bad hips won't work with that one for sure. But he's jumping. As he's going, he's walking and he's running and he's jumping because God has done something in his life. My prayer for each of us, this includes me today, is that we would not leave this place before God has made a difference in our lives that's changed us permanently. That we've heard God's word and in hearing that word, we've applied it to our hearts. And then what we do is we take that word and we share it with a lost world that's desperately searching for it. That's the message. That's the message. You've heard it now. Actually, I heard it in Sunday school. Thank you very much, David. I heard it in Sunday school in Colossians 3, 1 through 14. I've already heard the message. If you want to, you can go home now. If you'd like, let me tell you a little bit more about what God has in store for us. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to be here today, and we thank you for your love for us. And I thank you, Father 
for the grace, the mercy, and the forgiveness that you're willing to share with us. I know there are people this morning who are struggling with problems, struggling with difficulties, wondering, how can I be good enough? And Father, we find out in the truth of your word that there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right before you. But in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, you've done it all. And it's in his name that we come to you this morning. Amen. The key is in that situation in, in Acts 3, I want you to know this. Everybody knew that man. You know why? If they went to the temple, who did they see? He was always in the same place at the same time, and he was always there. What else did they know? They knew that that man was crippled, and everybody knew it. You think people talked about that? Yeah, he's the crippled guy. Uh, Mike is the crippled guy that sits out there by the gate. His name wasn't Mike, but you know what I'm talking about. Everybody knew him, probably knew him by name. They knew he was crippled from birth because they'd never seen him walk. They'd never seen anything special about him. That man is the man that Simon Peter took by the hand. That man is the man that Simon Peter walked towards that the temple gates. And as he did that, that man expressed that hope that he had been anticipating all those years being fulfilled, not through Peter's life, not through John's life, but through the presence of the Holy Spirit filling him and changing him. Have you had that experience? Have you experienced that kind of experience in your life that Jesus Christ was Lord? And you see that. When the people saw this and demonstrated, you know what, we've heard this word before, they were amazed. Why were they amazed? Because they knew this guy had never been able to walk before. And they see, they see him walking now. And they know that the only way that this could happen was through the presence of God in his life. That's the real message of what it means to see what Peter and John are doing. The message that Peter and John share with us today is that in Jesus Christ, our lives can be changed. And that's the strength and hope that is ours through him. Now, look in Acts 3, 11, and you'll see the rest of the story. As the beggar held on to Peter and John as they went into the area, we see the astonishment that's on the face of the people of Israel. And this is what he says. <laughs> look what Peter says. Should be somewhere down around verse 12. He says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? I'll watch my watch, and I'll watch Nick's clock. Nick, thank you for the clock. How many of you are surprised when somebody makes a commitment to Christ on a Sunday morning? How many of you are surprised when you see something fantastic happen in your life that you're not anticipating? In Jesus Christ, every day, every opportunity we have, we should never be amazed by what God is able to do for us, through us, and in us. And when we come on Sunday morning, how many of you come this Sunday morning anticipating somebody coming forward to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Well, you know what? It's been, it's been a while since that happened. We haven't seen any movement. Nothing's going on. And what we need to realize is that we are sitting around waiting to be surprised. We're waiting for something to happen when what we ought to be doing is waiting in anticipation of what is God going to do now? 
What is God going to do through my life? How is God going to use me? Because that's exactly what happened. And Peter is letting the people of Jerusalem have it because they are surprised about what has gone on. Look down in verse, verse 12. He says this, Don't th Do you think it came by our own power? He says basically uh, through godliness that we made this man walk. Look at verse 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified your servant Jesus. You know where he's about to go with this, don't you? If you're a believer here this morning, you know what he's about to say. He goes back and tells those Jews that have been anticipating, thinking about what God is going to do. What are they doing? They're waiting for the Messiah. What does Peter tell them? He has already come. And you know what? You missed him. And then he really lays it out for them, doesn't he? Look at what he says. Basically, he tells them, you nailed him to the cross. Your sins, your failures, those things that you knew you should have been doing that you didn't do, you're the one who nailed him to the cross. It wasn't Pilate's fault. Look what he says. I love that. Peter even says, Pilate tried to let him go. But you chose, he didn't say Barabbas, you chose a thief over the Son of God. In our lives, sometimes we forget what it is we're looking for. And what God seeks to have us experience, I believe, right this minute, right this second, is that we would know God's presence and his love for us and what he has given to us through his one and only son that we might have that peace that comes to us, that peace that changes our lives. And he says this as he closes up uh, in verse 15. He's talking about himself and John. He says this and the other apostles. We are witnesses of this. Verse 16. By faith in the name of Jesus Christ, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given this complete healing to him as you can see. The news was... Jesus did all this. So you wonder, what did the religious leaders do? How did they react to this? Can't you hear them? Praise God. Praise God. This man, we knew this man. We saw this man. We knew him. And he's healed. Did they say, Peter, John, tell us, how did all this come about? Did they go to them and ask that question? Well, in a roundabout way, they kind of did. But the first thing the religious leaders did was to throw Peter and John into jail because they were teaching and preaching something that they thought was totally wrong. Messiah hadn't come. Jesus wasn't the Messiah. Jesus was just a man, and he died, and he's gone. But we know better than that, and Peter and John knew better than that because they experienced the truth. What was the experiential opportunity that God gave them? That on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And then he met. That's what, if you haven't figured out, that's what all's been going on in Acts 1, 1, through where we are right now. A story of how Jesus showed himself to his disciples, and he seeks to do that same thing to each of us right now. That we would understand that he is alive and seeks to be in your heart and my heart because he has given his heart for us. He loved us that much. And there is John 3.16. We heard that in Sunday school this morning. 
The message is pretty simple, that God loved us so much that he gave his one and only son to die on Calvary's cross for your sins and mine. There you go. There's the other part of that, 17, right? For God didn't send his word. This is what we think. This is what the world thinks. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but what? But that through him the world might be saved. Believers, if you're here this morning, that is our responsibility. We are to be witnesses. We are to carry the message of what Christ has done for us and how he did it. And that message has changed our lives. And all of a sudden, what we see God doing is we see God taking three crippled people, mind you, three crippled people making a difference in each of their lives. First, the man who is physically crippled. But I think up until the time of the resurrection, I'm not sure that Peter and John weren't in that same ship. What did Peter say after they got back to the Sea of Galilee after Jesus had died? I'm going fishing. I, I, thank you. I'm getting kind of loose with the scripture here, but, but that's the message. I'm going fishing. And what happens to everybody else? They see Peter. Hey, if it's good enough for Peter, it's good enough for me. Jesus took care of that situation later on. We're not going to talk about that one right now. But the message is pretty clear. And we see it in that third chapter. We see the message of what it means for us to trust God and see him and hear him and listen to him. The first thing we see in emptying our lives and filling them with the Holy Spirit is that we understand what it means for us to trust. Look at verse uh, 8, excuse me, in chapter 4. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called in account today for an act of kindness shown to this cripple, and we're asking how, and you're asking how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you as healed. He, that is Jesus, is the stone that you rejected which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we might be saved. That is the truth of the gospel, and Peter shares that so profoundly. That is the message of Acts 1.8. What do we do in our lives? How does it work? Here comes, but when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. That's what we see lived out in Acts 1. We see that lived out in Acts 2. We see that lived out in Acts 3. And we see it lived out in Acts 4. Now, are we seeing it lived out in our Acts? The things we do, the things we say. Are people seeing and coming to know a personal relationship through, with Jesus Christ through your life and mine? Or do they see something else? And we talked about that in Sunday school this morning. All of a sudden, Galatians 5 comes up. And we've got that list that we see in verse 19 through 20. And all of a sudden, we see another list that comes up and says, these are the fruits of the Spirit. This is what you're supposed to look like. Where are you in your relationship? What is it that people see in your life and mine? The testimony of our lives is that testimony that is touching the lives of those people that are around us every day. And the message of being what Christ would have us be is that we are living for him. And when we receive that power, we see that grace. We see that mercy lived out and we experience that mercy that is in us. 
So what do we have to do to do that? The key is that you and I are called to yield our lives to Christ completely, to empty them, to take those lives that God has given us and say, you know what, God, I want you to rule my life. It's pretty simple. How can we know that we're saved? Pretty simple. Comes from Paul, book of Romans, right? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you, we talked about this last Sunday, you shall be saved. Less of me, more of Christ. I figure D.L. Moody did this years ago. If, if D.L. Moody can do it, I can do it to help you understand, just in case you don't. All right, now, I'm walking, where's Charlie? He's watching me. He's thinking, oh, no, what's he got? Dwight Moody did this same thing. He took an empty glass and he asked the people that were listening to him, what can I do to get the air out of this glass? And somebody said, suck it out, or somebody else said, dump it out, or do something. You know what Moody did? He took a pitcher and he began to fill it. Okay, getting a little nervous now, are you? Okay, he filled it all the way to the top. This is where our lives should be in the person of the Holy Spirit. There is less of us and more of him in our lives. But watch what happens now. I'm going to be careful. None of that, none of that landed on the carpet up here, ladies. All right? What happens when we become so full? What happens to the people around us? The presence of God's Holy Spirit in our lives, I hate to use this term, but it slops over on those around us, doesn't it? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? That they see in your life and my life the very presence of the Holy Spirit because it's splashing on them. It's slopping on them. It's over them. It covers them. And all of a sudden, they begin to think the same way those people in Jerusalem thought. They were amazed. How did this happen? What did Peter just tell them? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you killed him. My sins nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. I was a 10-year-old boy when I confessed Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. That's been 60 years ago. And the message is just as real in my heart today as it was when I was 10 years old. And the call that we have to recognize is that he has died for us, that we might live for him, that we might share that message, that we might take that message. So what does it take from your life and mine? It takes us letting him come in and take control. It takes us allowing him to move into our hearts and to rule those hearts. Now, believer, are you doing that this morning? Do you see Jesus Christ guiding, directing you in everything you say and do? Or do you find yourself like me? There's a song that we sing. I don't know what the invitation hymn is. We'll see in just a minute. I used to sing this all the time. You know, I surrender all. Change that to 10%. I surrender all. No, 10% I surrender. 10% I surrender to thee. 
You can't say that word all, can you? That's the message that's there. 10% just doesn't work. It doesn't fit. And what Christ calls us to do is to empty our lives and let the Holy Spirit fill them, that he would use them, that he would bless people through them. And that's exactly what happened, not only with that man who was there today, but I believe also in Peter's life and also uh, <clears throat> in John's life and also in the people that were listening that day because we see the end result. And the end result's pretty clear. 5,000 people joined the church, joined the fellowship. First, we've got to empty ourselves and fill them with the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we, we need to be pointing to Jesus and not to ourselves. Look at verse 13 through 14. Uh, a little farther than that, actually. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. There's that word again. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. So they ordered him to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody's living, everybody in Jerusalem has been, knows all about what they've done and understanding the miracle, and we can't deny that miracle. Uh, but to stop this thing from spreading any further among people, we must warn them to speak no longer in this name. Message is pretty simple. Real quick, just so we got a, an understanding of what we're talking about here, that unschooled word in the Greek is grammatos. Grammatos, does that sound like a word to you in English? How many of you went to grammar school? Same word. What do you learn in grammar school? I learned reading. Re there's my reading. There you go, Nick. Reading, writing, arithmetic. All right? That's how it worked with me. The basics. You learn the basics. You put an A in front of that grammatos. It's like putting a U-N in English. Make sense? Agramatos. They were illiterate. Did you ever know that? Think about it. Peter and John couldn't read and write, more than likely. What was the one thing that stood out in their lives? Look at that scripture and you'll see it immediately. What was it? These men had been with Jesus. That is what made the difference. And they saw Jesus in them. And I think they thought back to the things that Jesus said, to the lessons that he taught. And they experienced that. And they denied that. You're going to share your faith with somebody. You're going to say, you're going to say, Karen, let me tell you about my relationship with Jesus Christ. What, this is what he means to me. I want to share this message with you. And it may be that uh, Karen says, no, I don't have any interest. I've heard that before. You know who people are rejecting when they reject your message of salvation in Jesus Christ? They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him. And Jesus told us that was going to happen. And so what do we do? We give up and we throw our hands up in the air and we say, well, that's it. I'll never try that again. No. Peter and John listened. And how did they respond? They responded by continuing to do what God had called them to do. 
That's what you and I are to be about in our lives. We are called to live that message daily that Jesus Christ is Lord, that people might see and hear through who we are what Christ has done for us. Believer, are you doing that? Less of us, more of Christ. Everything we do, it's not up there. I'm looking. Where's the cross? We got one in here someplace? I don't see it. All right. Okay. Got to get a cross then. No. Is there one over? There it is right there. There you go. Thank you very much, Kim. There it is. Everything about what we do points to him and what he's done for us. Real quickly, closing up. We see that message lived out now. There's one last thing that happens is that we obey him. We obey Jesus Christ and his commands in our lives. Look at verse 18 through 20. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourself whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than to obey God. That kind of puts your feet on the ground, doesn't it? And what does he say in verse 20? For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and about what we've heard. Now, I'm not recommending that you watch this movie. I want you to know this, though. It's something that gripped me the first time I saw it, and that was in Saving Private Ryan. There was a, a, a man that was a courier. He was going to carry information to somebody else. And he gets shot, and he's out in the street. And, and all of a sudden, you see the enemy. They're just shooting this guy. They continue to shoot him. And one of the GIs says, why do they keep shooting at him? And one of the guys in that squad says this, because long as he has breath in his lungs, he still, she still carries the message. That's how it's to be in your life and mine. That no matter what happens, and there are things that happen in our lives that are devastating. There are situations that happen in our lives that would overwhelm anybody else. But we have a Savior who has already told us, don't worry about it. I'm there with you, and I'll be with you. Nothing can take you out of my hands. This is the way I've loved you. I've loved you so much that I died for you. There's a call for us to understand what that means, that we live that message, that we hear that message, and in hearing and experiencing that relationship with him, we live it. We, we live that lesson, that message of what Christ has done for us. And all of a sudden, we see that in Christ's life. Real quick, in Luke 9, 51, at this time, excuse me, as the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. We're, you're, we're okay. I promise. I promise we're okay. Tom Urry was my Greek professor back at Southwestern. He loved this passage because we see it all throughout Luke's gospel. Jesus knew what Jerusalem held for him. Do you understand that? He knew that it was death. He knew where he was going. But what did he do? He resolutely set his face towards Jerusalem. There was nothing that was going to keep him from doing what God had called him to do. And all of a sudden, where do we see him in the garden? We see him in the garden praying at the very last, right? Almost at the end. What does he pray? He basically tells God, 
If there's any way, God, that we can avoid this happening, I just pray that you'd do it. But not my will, but your will be done. That's what it means to give our hearts to the Savior. That's what it means to give our hearts to God and to recognize what he can do through them when we yield our lives completely. Has there come a time in your life where you've made that commitment? Has there come a time in your life where you know that you've trusted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If you're here this morning and you're thinking, well, I may have done it back when, or I think I did it when I was a kid, and you don't know that that experience was real to you, this passage of Scripture is about knowing it is real to you. It is to be real in our lives, and we are to show the evidence of that in everything we say, in everything we do, that the world would know that Christ is our Lord. Do you know that? If you're here this morning and you don't know that, this is all you do. Come forward. And you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You believe that God raised him from the dead on the third day. And God's word tells us, you shall be saved. And all those problems that you have, you know what? They're still going to be there. <laughs> but now you've got the Lord himself walking with you every day. Please join with me in prayer. Father, we thank you this morning for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for the fact that Jesus Christ came to this earth and he lived and he taught and he tried to explain to us how everything would come out. But we're not any different than those disciples that listened. Uh, we're not any different than those people who followed. And we see in Jesus' life where he began to talk about what it meant that for people to drink of his blood and eat of his flesh and what happened? People, Father, we know what people, this is a hard teaching. I don't understand this. And so people began to leave. Father, my prayer would be for every one of us who are here today and every one of us who are listening, that we would take those hard things and give them to you and say, Jesus, I don't understand all this, but I do understand this, that you died for my sins and my sins are covered in your blood and in that relationship, I am with you forever, and I give my life to you completely right now. Believer, if you're walking in that relationship and you're stumbling and wondering where you started and how you got to where you are right now, I thank God for the fact that we see in his word the truth of our sins are taken as far as the east is the west from him. As he looks at us because he sees Jesus' blood covering us. You help us not to get down on ourselves. That's the enemy. You help us to give our lives, yield them completely to you, and be up on what it means to understand Jesus' love for us is never-ending. Father, help us to do what you called us to, for we ask these things in Christ's name. Thank you for tuning in to another service with Grace Baptist Church. If you would like to contact us, all of our information is available on our website gbcevansville.org. You can also contact us through all of our various social media accounts. Or you could just give us a call. We'd love to hear from you.